0: So, Rumi, we got our new jobs. This is this is kind of odd.
1: Yeah, man, hanging up the podcasting microphones and uh, turning a new leaf, a new page in the Rocketeers. Yeah,
0: so to so to speak. Although you say new leaf, but we're not with Poison Ivy. We're we're with uh, Harvey Dent, Two Face.
1: I was wondering why you made me put on this like two tone makeup. It's it's really well, it's
0: weird that you're on that side of the room, which is all white, and I'm on this side, and it's all black. And you have on like a beautiful suit. Your hair is pushed back nice. I see your beard is trimmed. He specifically directed me not to trim my beard. He put pomade in my hair and my hair looks dumber than usual because it is fucking all over the place. I have on like a ripped tux. I don't... I mean, whatever. He's paying us good enough. And dude, those benefits are not bad.
1: Yeah. I'm Surprisingly, working for Two-Face, I thought... That like we'd be getting garbage benefits, but like he's he was a lawyer, so he does know, like, you know, he knows what's up.
0: But I guess if we if we fuck up, I think that we're in trouble because I think he could, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's smarter than us. We would, I guess that's why we're henchmen.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, you mess up. Like, if we don't do the things he has, he's just gonna flip a coin and fire one of us or worse, kill us. Yeah, yeah,
0: firing if we're lucky. (laughs) Who else have you henchmen for before?
1: I mean, I did a little stint with the penguin i had to wear a goofy circus outfit it was Mm -hmm. (laughs) real dumb uh but i quit after i saw batman stuff dynamite down my clown friend's pants and kick him off a building so i was like this isn't the job for me now let me
0: ask you a question because i've always had a a question for that specific penguin crew did you guys at any point wonder why it was a circus theme when he was a penguin and penguins are not traditionally in the circus and also he lived in a zoo, which is also not a circus. And also, the last villain that Batman fought that we know about in that universe is the Joker, who is a clown. And clowns are part of a circus.
1: I got the answer for you, man. So, after the Joker was was captured and, ki- you know, accidentally, accidentally, in quotes, air quotes, accidentally killed by Batman there were a bunch of circus clown villains who were looking for work and Penguin was like, okay, I'll buy it wholesale right off the bat. No changes. <laughs> you know, it, it's just like, I don't know. Like in LA, people know this. John's and Vaughn's is literally John's grocery store is just a, somebody bought a Vaughn's and just changed the V to a J and was like new grocery store. So the Penguin was like, I'm just going to adopt the crew, put my name on it throw some penguins in there from the just zoo. Repackage it. Yeah. Repackage, but you know, you can keep the clown thing going. Just I did it. It's really. creepy. Just change
0: the brand name. You're right. You yep. didn't even change the package.
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, you're working for a new guy and I he he just didn't want to put the work into like penguin outfits for everybody. Top hats. What are we wearing? What are we doing, you know?
0: Oh, speaking of top hats, I used to work for the Mad Hatter. Oh god. I love me some Lewis Carroll, but like at a certain point Guys, can we just have a regular conversation? I don't even mind wearing the stupid costume. I was a Dormouse. Did I ever tell you that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the most adorable Dormouse there was, Rumi.
0: I was. And I think that's why he kept me on for so long. Luckily, he's not one of those. like He's more of a firing villain than a shooting villain. So I didn't get fired, but I got let go. It was a little, th- things were a little, a little tight. He wasn't doing as much as he was. He started to do crimes of passion to try to get like a girl's heart as opposed to like crimes of money, which would help me as a henchman.
1: Yeah. Dude, I used to work for Scarface, and I never knew who to look at. You're like, do I look at the ventriloquist? (laughs) Do I look at the dummy? Do I look at the ventriloquist or the dummy? Who's talking? He's Mm. talking. I can see his lips moving. I mean, bullshit. I was going to ask
0: you, because I've never worked with him before yet. Can you see the ventriloquist's lips moving?
1: Yeah. Oh, he's terrible. He's not a good ventriloquist. That's why he's doing villainy stuff. If he was a good (laughs) ventriloquist, he'd be in Vegas, like Jeff Dunham or something, you know? you you Get a more racist puppet, and you're good to go, man. And, like, the iterations of Scarface, like... Broken Scarface, Wood Scarface, like, oh man, it's just, you never know what you're going to get with that guy. It was a little too unpredictable. So I feel like this, I know if we stay in our lane, he's pretty like straight down the middle and he'll be fair, if not almost like random, but he'll be fair. I mean, you have a
0: 50% chance he'll be fair. Sure. To be honest.
1: (laughs) I mean, I like those
0: odds better than, you know, some of the other things. Today, we are talking about henchmen comic book movie henchman, and uh, we got a special guest that knows a thing or two about henchman knows knows his way around the uh, inner workings of a criminal
1: organization that's right we are talking with peter murietta he is a showrunner a writer emmy award winner i mean but this is his first comic book that he's helming he's working with friend of the show dave schrader uh, we've talked to david schrader uh, about baby badass he's been on the show before but they are partnering up to create this awesome comic book. It is called Rafael Garcia Henchman, and it's kind of a mix between The Office, Parks and Rec, and Super Villainy. And I'm excited to hear about it. I'm excited to talk to him about it. It's going to be great. Big shout out to everybody who checked out our Sons of Pitches episode. Thank you to everybody who told us what ridiculous products they thought were so stupid, couldn't believe existed. I'm really sorry to everybody who got pissed about Rock Lords. I was not expecting that. I to told you such... rock
0: lords are fucking cool.
1: <laughs> I'm not apologizing. I still think they're dumb, but can we at least agree that it's an upgrade to a rock? It's cool. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. It's cooler than <laughs> rocks. <to> rocks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least my rocks transform, but uh, a lot of people were very defensive <laughs> of rock lords, but Hey, I'm, I'm glad that people like what they like. And uh, it was super fun. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and our website, LaunchpadPod.com. We got more to come. We got so much good stuff coming up. But for now, let's talk about Rafael Garcia, henchman, on the Launchpad Podcast.
0: Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four,
1: three, two, one. 1, are all engines running. Liftoff. We have a
2: lookout.
1: All right, welcome to Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Matt. Today, we have a very exciting guest in the house. We're talking comic book henchman with writer, executive producer, showrunner. I mean, this guy's done it all in Hollywood. Peter Marietta, welcome to the show,
2: man. Thank you, man. It's good to meet you. It's good to see both of you. This is uh, exciting. Yeah, man.
0: There's a chance that we've seen each other before, Peter. I doubt it. But I worked on a lot of Wizards of Waverly. Okay,
2: tell me stuff. tell me what you did.
0: Uh, I worked for a company called Creature Effects that did uh, sure. practical special effects and uh, um, a lot of specialty props. Sure. The one thing I remember being on set for for like the entire day the Wolfman. was like, no, angel wings. Angel had. wings. Like, the, the, like, Icarus, like almost like Icarus wings. There were black ones and white ones. And I remember it was just a whole day of teenagers on their cell phones. The whole day. I was like, all right. Uh, back to one. And they were like, text, text, text. And everyone was very patient. You're like, back to one. Text, text, text. Okay, phone in the pocket. Now I could be a wizard. Now, what's like...
2: <laughs> great. what's great about what you said is I know exactly what episode that was. And mm-hmm. I don't mind that we're already recording and on the air to say two things. They Go did that episode after they fired me, <laughs> which was the fourth season. And I will okay. tell you that if it was my set, there wouldn't have been kids on phones all the time. And uh, it would have been different. I mean, that's fine.
0: <laughs> I was surprised because it was like, those kids definitely ruled the roost. And I was like, really? No one's just going to tell them to put it away? They just like, I mean, they were definitely taking advantage, but it wasn't the most ridiculous thing. No. It was just enough to be like, everyone's watching this.
2: Right? Yeah. Everyone sees this. Um, and uh, I remember somebody telling me about the Angel storyline. You know, we did. Mm-hmm. When I was there, my last episode, which I found really apropos, I knew they were going to get rid of me, um, was I did an episode where magic was revealed to the world. Mm-hmm. And then just like you would want to do if you're a comic book nerd, I had them grabbed Spielberg E.T. style from like tubes and hazmat suits, and they were taken to a government facility where they were tested and they broke out of the government facility and there was a green screen of a porthole in the desert that they walked out of. And the last thing I ever did for Wizards was my family was wandering through the desert. Magic had been revealed to the world. And I was basically saying, you guys fix it now.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yes, yeah, you've worked on so many things. Great shows. Uh, Wizard of Waverly Place, uh, the, the uh, Iglesias
2: show. Yeah, we're uh, in season two of that right now. And Congratulations! Drop on uh, this in December sometime. I'm probably not supposed to say yeah. when, so I stopped myself. But soon, soon, it's great stuff. But this is your first comic
1: book that you're helming. You've done yeah. a little bit of comic book writing here and there. You wrote a Batman story, which is I really did. Cool. I can't believe you found that. Yeah. It was a bizarro like Elseworlds Batman story, but you know, trying to fix the Batcomputer is a fun little one-off contained story. Yeah. But this is your first helmed comic book. You wrote it, you came up with the idea, and you're working on it with a friend of the show, Dave Schrader, who did Baby Badass, as some of our listeners will know. But tell us about Rafael
2: Garcia Henchman. Tell us about this comic book. Okay. So uh, Rafael Garcia Henchman started in 2015. It was an idea I had Um, I've got two boys Joaquin and Dan and uh, you know they grew up because of me and and also because they're kids just on comic books and comic book world and comic book universes and you know we would go see the movies and uh, we always had this question like like, me and these two Mexican American kids and like where are the Mexicans what's (laughs) going on you know like that one shot I always remember the one shot at the end of one of the Avengers movies, they're running across the lawn. It's a great Jack Kirby like profile shot of all of them. Yeah. And like I turn around to Joaquin, my son, and I'm like, who mowed that lawn? <laughs> <laughs> and so in 2015, I was like, what's up? And so I had this idea that like they're in this universe because you just don't see those heroes. Right? There was one in Suicide Squad don't get excited about him he gets killed he's done immediately immediately, immediately. oh my god yeah, look yeah. there's a oh never mind um so <laughs> i wanted to chart chart the rise and also deal with sort of like in the grand scheme of comic books where you know great writers find the the gaps between story arcs and they go what 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 happened why why did alfred why wasn't alfred there and they go well there's a story he was in england he was a spy and this was yeah. so i thought the reason why we haven't seen him is because of you know, institutional racism, just like in our world. And um, they're the, they're the frontline workers. So Raphael is a henchman. Um, He, he, um, he starts off guarding the perimeter and he makes either the great throw of choice or mistake of wanting to know what's in the boxes that they're guarding. And his (laughs) pal is representative of all the other henchmen who are like, why would you, that like <laughs> you know that stuff. You are in for trouble. Moving closer to the flame means you will be burned. What are you up to? But he wants yeah. to make more of himself, and so he charts himself a course and ends up in uh, middle management in a supervillain organization.
1: <laughs> that's really funny, man. And and this is that's that's kind of what this is described at. It, it says in the in the press release. <laughs> You're asking, what if life in a supervillain organization was less like a James Bond movie and more like working at Walmart corporate? Yes. And I think that's hysterical. What is the name of the evil corporation, the evil villain organization that he works for? Maverick
2: Incorporated.
0: I love that he, and the villain is in cor- is Maverick, right? The villain's name is yes, Maverick. Yes, but
2: he's Incorporated.
0: I love that he Incorporated. <laughs> like, I'm imagining he's sitting with his tax guy. His tax guy's like, oh if you want to make any money, you're going to have to start a corporation. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And his first move, and I don't want to spoil the book, but his first move, once he decides that like his squad leader is retiring, he's had enough. And so the speculation turns to like, who's going to get the job? Is it going to be this kiss ass that they all hate? You know? And and because you guys are in show business, there's even a bit about like, you know, this kiss ass, uh, he went to Harvard Westlake with Maverick. And, uh there's a good chance that that's <laughs> going to be it, you know. But Rafay's like, I'm going for it. And to what you're saying about incorporation, he finds himself at like a WeWork office by the hour complex, like not a headquarters. And he's asking questions when he's meeting with the, with the HR, like, why doesn't Maverick have a headquarters? And there's this whole thing from the middle managers, like, listen, he likes to keep a small footprint, it makes him more nimble. We can turn more of the money back into the product and uh, why are you asking? <laughs> and so like, it's really, we want to kind of push at like the modern workplace. That's so funny. Cause I mean, even in
1: the film industry, there's so much of that where it's these temporary setups, you're at the Hollywood business center in Glendale and you're there for a month and you're trying to get, you know, you're just trying to get them to fix the copy machine and yes. they don't care. And you're like, you're like, is this the building's responsibility? Is this my responsibility? Who's going on? To- I know this is, this is great concept. What kind of evil things is, is, is this organization up to what, what is he,
2: what are are they pulling off? I think what's interesting about it is trying to take from the fantastic and the mundane. So like in the first issue, there's a mission where they're guarding a plane and there's trouble. But then later there's another mission where in the grand scheme of the fantastic of the comic book world, you know, Raphael is tasked with, you know, dumping some chemicals into the town's water supply, right? Something that you've seen many, many times in comic books. And then because we want it to be comical and also real, and some of the comedy comes from the reality. It's asking yourself like, well, why now in comic books, I know why, but in the real world, like what's the deal there? And so like we talk about it and, you know, it's, it's chemicals that make people a little bit more suggestible and they might vote a certain way and therefore the maverick can get more control over X, you know? So it's got a little bit of the mundane and a little bit of the fantastic in it. So he's about world domination, you know, and there's even, I think, Classic. comments in either issue one or issue two where there's talk about the henchmen of like I mean, is he the guy that can dominate the world? Like, we've got to start to ask ourselves this question because we signed on to this. <laughs> And I'm not sure, oh man, the moment you start questioning
1: whether your boss is competent, uh, right. <laughs> I think we've all been there. Right. We've all been there. Oh, that's hilarious.
0: Now let me ask you clearly pete this is this is obviously like a comedy, and there's gonna be uh, like fantasy and superhero elements. What is your your audience uh demographic? Like are you shooting for teens? Are you shooting for old men like me and Rumi? Well, what, who are you? Who's your target audience with this?
2: I think like we want. I think we the want the tone of the book, as mentioned in the press release, is like The Office or Parks and Rec, and uh, but with a superhero element. And um, and by the way, you never see Maverick. He's never. <laughs> That's seen him. awesome. There are mouthpieces for him and spoke speakers, but you're never seeing him. Um, and uh, and uh, which is kind of born out of my feeling. I, I worked at CBS Radford for three years. And I never saw Les Moonves once. I saw his car occasionally, but I remember thinking like, people like that are so rich and so powerful that my mind was like, there must be a system of pneumatic tubes under the city where they can just kind of appear where they need to. Because like, who the fuck sees Les Moonves anywhere? <laughs> um, so um, you never see Maverick. But my my further point to what you're saying is. I think it's that audience. And I guess if I were to look at that audience now and you think about Netflix and streamers, it's probably millennials up, right? It's people. Mm -hmm. And my son, Joaquin is 23. He's just entering the workforce. I think he's the end of the millennials. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's anybody that's in this workforce now that has to deal with all the things you guys just talked about, you know? Oh man. Like multi-level marketing. I think it's like you said, uh, I think
0: like both of you have mentioned I feel like me in high school with all the stupid high school jobs I had I could relate to a part of this and I could get into the superhero and and supervillain and henchman element of it but I also think I would be like yeah man work sucks work is hard but I think the three of us have kind of been through the work ringer a little bit the career ringer we've we've done different careers in different uh, industries and I think like like Rumi mentioned we've all had those moments thinking about our boss so it it looks like it's it's a it's a story and it's a book that will hit on multiple for levels sure. and multiple for groups, sure. you know, I think everyone will enjoy it for, for wherever they're at with their awesome work careers and experience. Right. We'll all be able to relate to Raph a little
2: bit. That's right. And like when they go to Starbucks, which by the way, is their rendezvous if anything goes bad. Like <laughs> That's the agreed upon meetup place. Cause it's got Wi Fi. I can't
0: wait to read this book.
2: Um, so, you know, when you get there, like again, talking about the workplace, you've got henchmen having coffee, but to your point, about who's this book for, having a conversation about the guy behind the counter at Starbucks, I mean like that guy i think I think if you work there, I think they let you transfer to any Starbucks in the country, and I'm pretty sure there's <laughs> health care like and that guy is safe, like what is up? and so yeah. you know it's that kind of stuff that gets talked about amongst these guys that's really funny, and I have to
1: tell you our emergency plan at my at my office when when I'm in in Burbank. Uh, if there's a fire we meet at the the Starbucks yeah. across the street. You have to. You have to. You have to right? I was like, we'll be safe and get coffee. I love this. Yeah. It's a it's a win win. So I want to get into some of your inspirations. Obviously, okay. you know, the office and parks and rec, but like when you're talking about comic books and evil organizations, what are some of the things you're drawing from from to put this together?
2: Well, um, so many things. I mean, I've been reading comics yeah. since nineteen seventy seven. Um, I'm 54. I grew up reading them. I think it taught me about storyboards. It taught me about storytelling before I even knew I wanted to be a storyteller. And so, you know, I I can go all the way back to like, just if we're talking about villainous organizations and villains, like, I always remember as a kid, my first love of comic books was All-Star Comics. It's perfect for me. It's perfect Peter Moriarty material because I picked up the first issue, which was issue number 58. And I was like, what does this mean? And then, you know, the guy that sold me the comic book was like, oh, this was a comic book in World War II. And then it stopped publication in the 50s and they're starting it up again. And so it had this weird thing about it already. And it was like the Earth Two Justice Society of America. And it was like an old Superman, an old Batman, like Robin had taken over as Batman. And they had the Injustice Society was their villainous organization. And of course, because of the quaint forties, you're like, that's lovely. There's justice. There's <laughs> Now they're fighting for injustice. And, um, one of them was a villain who played the fiddle and he was like, he could, he could <laughs> manipulate your mind with his fiddle for his violin. And he wore like a <laughs> contraption on his head. And so I, that was, you know, that was 11 year old me just going like, Wow. That's just from someone's mind, you know. And it also had uh, the debut of a character called Power Girl, which okay. yeah, yeah, 11-year-old me didn't know why he liked Power Girl, but, um, you know, 15-year-old me was like, oh, that's what you were liking. Okay. Those are what <laughs> you yeah. So I think yeah. that as I've explored that, I've always had this sort of comic eye on it where I thought about, like, you know, Lex Luthor, um, and you always have to pronounce it that way because of the classic Christopher Reeves movie, uh, <laughs> Ned Beatty, you know, Mr. Luthor, Mr. Luthor. Uh, and <laughs> and I think that, you know, I look at Elon Musk and I look at Jeff Bezos and it's like, you guys are Lex Luthor. You don't, you don't want to admit it, but you are, and you're terrible people, and uh, you're profiting from the pandemic, and it's incredible. Uh, and so yeah. it's like a combination of all that stuff. But I've loved, I love James Bond. I love any organization with a shitty, weird acronym that it's yeah. tortured, oh, yeah. like tortured <laughs> to get to the. We wanted to be called Spectre, but we have to figure out what the T is for. Is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. Something Aaron. that's fu- something
1: that's really funny is I looked it up. Um, I was trying to figure out comic books. You know, there's so many different evil organizations. DC has listed 120 Perfect. different villainous organizations while Marvel only has 51. They're like, we don't need to get out of hand here. But <laughs> DC was like, if, if some villains were like, hey, we would like to be, hey, we want to be the uh, nuclear family. We want to be the the Ravens. Can we be the Rainbow Raiders? They're like, yeah, sure, sure. Go hey, for, for it. it. Just for it. whatever. Take Done. it, take it, take it. Yeah. yeah, they gave it to everybody.
0: Just check the list. Make sure someone else is not already the Rainbow Raiders. If not, it's yours. Now, what are you guys it's yours. for?
2: Well, we like rainbows. We like rainbows and uh Like an colors. evil sort of way. Yeah, I mean, we're going <laughs> to yeah. harness the power <laughs> of a rainbow to kill you, I think. Yeah. The,
0: the, the thing that I didn't get growing up, and Aaron will attest this and he hates hearing it, but I was not a comic book person until later <laughs> in life. I only dabbled. But one thing I did love, and I'm actually in the middle right now of an original art purchase that I'm super excited about, was the Marvel Universe trading cards from the 90s. Oh. And they were they were very simple, very bitchin'. Some of them had great art. Like, I mean, John Romita Sr. Mm-hmm. was on some of those art. John Romita Jr. was on some of those art. But um, there, I remember seeing the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants card. Okay, yep. Yes. And I knew the characters in it. I knew that they fought the X-Men. And I remember looking at it being, like, as a kid, being perplexed that they would call themselves right. evil. Right. And I remember being like, you got to be fucking evil to put it in your name. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not telling it's not even about power or anything to me. It's just about being bad. And I remember as a kid being like, why would you just flat out say like, how bad, like black and white, black bad Do you have to be to say, I am in the brotherhood of evil. Yeah. mutants?" <laughs> Later we've changed it, right? Like more modern times. It's not evil. And
2: of course they repurpose it, right? The grand tradition of comic to me is the love of the like, trying to figure out a modern reason for something that existed in a time that we now consider to be quaint. Right. Yeah. You know, like I'm sure there's a four issue arc where it's all about them sort of repurposing and reowning evil, like evil's not evil, but if you're going to make us evil, we're going to wear it. And like, yeah. Right. And, and so I love that stuff. And and yet, you know, again, it comes back to comedy, but there's still heart and action in my book, But there's gotta be somebody poking at that and that's rafa who's like wait a second and, <laughs> and and you know i think it's not in this issue so i'm not teasing it but you know there's a moment between these guys in the coming up issue where they're at a laundromat and they're just it's just monotony it's just, just watching the clothes go around in the laundromat and they realize one of them does and says hey have we?" have we used this laundromat before? And I think Raphael's is like, I don't know, it's so hard to tell. They all, you know, laundry land looks like laundry land, like laundry land, like, okay. Cause you know, the rule is like, whenever we finish a mission, we have to go to a different laundromat to launder our clothes. Cause we don't want any traces or elements or anything that can be, you know, the the, the justice battalion can find out where we're at. And then after a long pause, that go, well, we'll just say it's different. Agreed? Agreed. <laughs> right? Because they're like, it's part of the bureaucracy of the rules, but they've, they've right. fallen into it. And I think that when you deal with things like Brotherhood of Evil and the reclaiming of it, like, it's important to remember that it all started from this idea of bad versus good. But yeah. we now live in a time, we don't even know who's bad and good in It's all gray. Yeah. All Black and white has been just muddy as hell. It's all muddy as hell. I mean, you know, I just saw something this morning where someone said that, uh, you know, regardless of your political affiliations, it was very funny to me. Someone goes, you know, Democrats are horrible at messaging. And then the joke was, they said, you know, Citizens United was not about Citizens United. That whole decision was not about that. It was about lobbyists. And they said, so why are they calling it defund the police? They should call it expanding the police we're going to expand the police into social services it's expanding the police and you're like right it's all about messaging it's not even about a core idea anymore which kind of sucks
0: and that's also like you can expound on that is we're talking about gray area you could be working for maverick and you might not know you might think you're working for this corporation or this person you know like you mentioned elon musk and stuff you think you're working for like a car company and it's it could be, I mean, very well, like for real, not even being funny. It could be more than that. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. think maybe, maybe you're not in the brotherhood of evil per se, no, but, you're but right, you could be right, working Matt. for a company that's doing shit you don't
2: know. You're right, Matt. And you know, um, that is, speaks very well to a, a piece of the book, which is the conversation. And I bet you the three of us have had this conversation where it's not that you don't know, it's that you're working for Murdoch. Cause you work for Fox, right? You right. go home after rap and you go like, well, I, I'm not bad, but I gotta yeah. pay rent. And like, I, I'm for sure gonna vote against these jerks, but like, I, I gotta make a living. Like that whole concept is part of this book. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's kind of in, it, it, it inspired by, and I love calling him out because I'll never work for him. Uh, Steve Levitan, the, uh, showrunner of modern family, creator yeah. of modern <laughs> family. Um, he had a statement like, I don't know, maybe a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, that like he he was like, I've had it with working for the evil empire of Rupert Murdoch, and to prove my point, that at the conclusion of this current multi-million-dollar overall deal, I will no longer work for him. And you're like, wow, that's, <laughs> wow. what a brave, what a big man, what a brave brave stance.
1: <laughs> well, like you said, yeah, the the cameraman for Hannity. He just wants to get paid and go home. He hates. He hates it. Yeah,
2: (laughs) that's another thing too. Because I used to be in the forty four. I was in the art department, and a lot of times, you know, when showrunners, you know, there's a lot of back padding. There's a lot of people going my crew, and I find it somewhat funny as an old art department person because I often find myself telling my fellow showrunners, like, you know, that when we're canceled, that every single person on our stage is going to work next week, probably on the same stage.
0: Like, they're going to be yeah. just fine. Right, right. Well, going one step further. Yes. Let's pretend. Okay. Not that we have the jobs we have, but that we are at least potential henchmen in <laughs> greater comicdom. It doesn't matter what universe okay. or what publisher. Okay. Who Who is everybody working for? What supervillain are you like, you know what? I, I, I think I can hang with their crew. I think I could do some of their their heights or their shenanigans. Who, who, who? What interviews are we all going to go to? What do you guys think? <laughs> I'll go first. I'm going to do the Riddler because I want to challenge myself.
2: Oh, nice. Nice. I actually, thought, <laughs> I actually thought about that. It was one of the ones I was considering. That's nice, Matt.
0: I think because it's like, I mean, I'm not, I think the Joker would be fun, but that's like too fucking dangerous to me.
1: Let, let me throw a couple things at you. So think about okay. this. I like the idea of the Riddler you get we'll to throw, solve whatever puzzles. throw
0: at me throw at me in like lyrical clues don't you? yeah okay
1: uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: i did not prepare hard enough for this. Well, like, well you get to come up with fun little pop-up books like to give batman right it's like a card and like you're building pop-up books all day all day cut out letters well i think
0: i'm building it though i'm not coming up with that like I'm no like no yeah, yeah. Shit he, no he's the, the
2: brain but he comes to you and says, right. hey matt what i need is like a um a rubik's cube but it has to be the size of an apartment building. <laughs> <laughs> and I need it in a month. <laughs> like, okay, Make it happen. I'm on it. I'm on.
1: And I need you to cut like a bunch of letters out of mag, just letters, and, and organize those because we're gonna copy and paste those like. That's like letters. an intern job,
0: don't you think? Like the Riddler's intern <laughs> like is cutting the intern, out the headline yes, letters. Yes,
2: the intern is cutting the letters, but Matt, you're in charge of designing an apartment building size Rubik's cube. That's <laughs> that's more than an intern job.
0: <laughs> no, see, I love that idea because we just talked about that, and you've done spe- you've done props. I've done specialty props. I've been on shows where. The, the, the owner of the shop comes in and he's like, we need to make a Rubik's Cube that's, let's just say it's 12 feet by 12 feet. And you're like, okay. And he gives you as much information as he has. And then you start doing it. Then you send pictures of it back to production and production gives you notes. First of all, just imagine the notes that the From Riddler, the Riddler. Would send back down yes. the chain to you, right? right? Like he wouldn't just say that green needs to be dark. No. It would be like the hue of emerald is oh
2: god. Well he also Just would me do this, what to this change. would be the great part where you'd have to test yourself in terms of being evil or not. Cause I immediately started laughing because I think the note you get back is like, um, it looks good. So far, so good. <laughs> I forgot to mention that I need the edges of the cube to be like razor sharp. Like, uh, you don't need to know what I'm doing with it, but the the edges. I need to be able to like <laughs> I need to be able to like, cut through stuff, but
0: <laughs> I like it. it looks good. You're doing yeah. good. But <laughs> by the way, when I, I forgot I was, to like, tell when, you. I, when
2: I first had my first show. Um, because I came from the art department, I used to go through so many hoops to not have crew redo stuff. So, in other mm-hmm. words, like I remember having like a swing set, and then you know after the table read the network is like throws out the B story, you know, and then I'm left with this sub shop swing set. And uh, so then I go, well, you know, (laughs) I guess maybe, and I remember this was in wizards once, like I go, Hey, well maybe when, um, when uh, the wizard goes and talks to the vampire girl, maybe her parents own that sub shop and, uh, and they can go talk there and get some drinks from the soda fountain. And so I got, and so you watch the show, and it just seems whimsical. But like, it was really about somebody built that, and I was like, "Oh my god, we're not going to take it down, right?"
1: Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. What is your costume like, man? How do you envision? Because I know, like, Joker and Two Face, they all have ridiculous yeah. makeup, really elaborate costumes. What, what, what do you see? I'm your purple
0: domino mask and like green unitard. And I, I think I've finally gotten my body to the point where I would be—I don't want to say <laughs> proud to be in a unitard, but like, I can handle it. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm comfortable with myself. A couple uh, precariously placed question marks around that suit would would probably do me well. Um, yeah, like Jim Carrey at the end of uh, yeah. Batman Forever, I think would do. I mean, go, it up, it's you obviously go, up to you court. You go right.
2: unitard, you wouldn't go the suit of questions because that's the Riddler's look.
0: Yeah, right. I think that's and that's also a little too formal. I think like there are in, there are jobs that I have not taken because of the dress code, <laughs> and I feel like if I went to that interview and he was like, "Here's your blazer," I'd be like, "Oh, actually, yeah." Let me lyrically tell you how I'm going to bow out of this job. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: what rhymes with quit, you guys? Yeah, I was thinking what rhymes with close.
2: <laughs> what
1: about you, Aaron? What
2: would you go? Where would you go?
1: This is weird because I was really trying to think about this, and I was almost going the foot from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because oh, because you you almost because you learn ninja skills, you get to be a cool ninja. Bitch in costume, even if you're in the cartoon or the movie, bitch in costume. And if you're in the movie universe, before you get to be a ninja, you're playing video games and skateboarding. It's, it's badass.
0: skateboard on top of video games. I knew uh, yeah. the second you said the foot, I was like, he's doing that to play fucking video games.
1: To play fucking... Oh. Yeah. I would be playing video games the whole time and then get to learn to be a ninja. The problem is once you become the foot, you're not playing video games and you will never be as cool, even though they're morons as Bebop and Rocksteady, who are your boss for some reason. Yeah. So, <laughs> unless you're going to be a mutant, that's not the organization. I was so close to picking that. So, instead, I want to be a minion for Rita Repulsa and Lord Zed from the Power Rangers show. Oh. Wow. Because they're both morons, and if you just succeed a little bit,
2: yeah. so you're you look looking, awesome. So, you're looking to move up. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's career goals. He's thinking the long game here.
2: Right. So that way you're like Rafa. You're like Rafa. Like, you, you're like, all right, where can I succeed? And nothing helps you
1: succeed better when you work for somebody who isn't as good as their job as, as you could be. And that's why in in, in the show, Gold, Goldar got a promotion when Rita got bumped. So I'm just <laughs> saying, man.
2: Yeah. It didn't, it didn't look at all like that was about somebody negotiating a contract <laughs> and overstepping their bounds at all. Right. Yeah, No, it's all about the good, how, how maniacally can
1: you laugh? And if you get a good, ah, then you're in. Right. Right.
0: (laughs) Well, give us your maniacal laugh then.
2: It wasn't about somebody going, you know, we did all we could with that character. (laughs) It was somebody going, all right, she wants how much? Screw it. (laughs)
1: Screw
2: it. She's out.
0: (laughs) Rumi, when you started talking, I was like, I, I can't wait to hear what organization, because I think even the Joker would have troubleshooting you in the face because you're just so fucking like positive and <laughs> jolly and like you're so happy. Like when we lived together, even when I was mad at you, I still wanted to just like pinch your cheek and be like, ah, you rep scallion, like ah. you would be a good henchman <laughs> to have.
2: Yeah.
0: And I'm thinking that then you started talking and I was thinking of that end battle in Ninja Turtles where they're all fighting on like the 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 fire escapes and casey jones is freaking crushing people in a in a truck and then i want to cut back to lairdman island and you in that warehouse by yourself playing like centaur so centaurian or
1: something yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> cut back to the fight <laughs> oh, and they crazy. come back how'd it go guys how'd it go where's shredder yeah. like i was i was
0: coming are you guys done are you is it finished is like all done i shouldn't even go all right, check out, go check out the high score on uh, that friggin' ostrich jousting game, whatever that is
2: called. That's great. Joust. That's great. What do you think, Peter? What organization are you signed up torn. for? I'm torn. I'm torn like you guys are. I was going to say Hydra. Mm. Mm. Okay. Because I feel like, unlike Rafa, I feel like I can disappear into the sea of people yelling, Hell Hydra. Like I cannot, I can be one of thousands and just sort of be the person where they're like, all right, you guys are all going to sacrifice yourself by running off this mountain. And I could be like, hail Hydra. And then (laughs) peel out on the way and then get back in with the other group. Like I just, I would be about survival. And because they seem so driven and kind of kiss assy, all those other henchmen, I feel like I could make it through it be about survival versus the Joker. You should be a little smarter than the next. Right. Time. Versus the Joker, which doesn't matter how smart you are, he's going to kill you and act. Sure. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, and the good
1: thing about everybody's had a job where you knew who to stare away from. Like, oh, don't talk to that producer or that boss. Yes. Hydra's obvious. Dude, the guy who looks like a skeleton, don't talk
2: to don't him. Don't talk to him. Just stay away. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but what I really kind of landed on for, for obvious reasons. Is I was like, but I think, I think Catwoman in the in the Batman show had henchmen. Okay, and I think it would be cool to hang out with Catwoman for obvious reasons. Any of them, or with, or a specific Probably one? Probably the from Julie that show. Newmar one.
0: Yeah, I'm with you.
1: I just looked up Catwoman henchman Julie Newmar. They wear <laughs> tiger stripe suits and little like matador hats. I know. That's one of his draws. Yeah, you just got best dressed. It's the like, best. It's a little Madagascar <laughs> yeah. hat.
2: And also, like, <laughs> I also have these, again, memories of a pre-adolescent. Like, Batman was on. I'm not old enough. I think that show was out when I was born. So I wasn't around when it was on at nighttime. But I was on. It was on at 4 o'clock in Tucson after school when I was a kid. And I remember having a conversation with a, a nerd buddy who was also, like, Discovering girls. This entire conversation one day was about Batgirl <laughs> versus Catwoman. And like, who would you date? And <laughs> yeah. I remember thinking, like, even as a 13 year old, I was like, Catwoman. I mean, Julie Newmar, man. And then the pushback of like, but she's evil. And I was like, right. That kind of, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of part of it too, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, right. right. And it seems like, you know,
1: her. Her villainy was never top tier. Like the Joker's like poison a water supply fishes, right. and and so anybody who eats the fish yeah. gets deformed permanently. Catwoman's like, I want to steal some jewels. So you're either like a safe cracker or
2: you're feeding her grapes on like a kitty cat dais. Which is like <laughs> And I, by the way, I'd be I would be the kind of good henchman that I wouldn't be jealous that she's got a crush on Batman. I mean, if they work it out, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> But in the meantime, I, I'm, I, I'm a, someone, I don't
0: mind watching from the sidelines.
2: So yeah. And if she needs someone in the meantime to give her, you know, like a post robbery massage or like, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> I, in other words, what I guess See, I'm saying is uh, I'm about us just exploring all our options.
0: <laughs> See, you're looking at all the good stuff, though. I'm a pros and cons guy. So when you say Hydra and you say Catwoman gang, I'm trying to think of the downsides of both. So for Hydra, I'm trying to think of. What is the hardest thing I've ever been hit in the face with? And it was not an adamantium shield. Right. So like that's that's a downside, you know what I mean?
2: <laughs> okay, but let me let me let me counter that though because it comes back to the real world thing, okay?
0: Because yeah. remember how
2: many whenever you see Hydra, it's just legion, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I've always said and I admit to being a coward. Um <laughs> but I've always said when I like when I saw Saving Private Ryan, when I've seen um, newsreel footage of of World War II of those troop carriers that have the gate that down. I was always yeah. like, Hey, if I'm in one of those, I'm telling you this. My shoe is untied and I'm going to need to move to the back <laughs> to get my boot tied. I'm totally with you guys, but I don't really think I should be at the front of that gate because my boots untied and I would be in that way. Let me pooch back to the back here. And then get myself situated.
0: <laughs> go ahead, you guys go. Uh, I'm with you. Go ahead, go ahead. And go ahead. I would go around, totally go around.
2: take that philosophy into Hydra, which is like great. I'm with you, but I feel like my uh, my snake mask is uh, a little askew, <laughs> and I know how much you. I know how much you like the uniform look. So let me go get that fixed, and then I'll be right. With you. I'll be right back.
1: I brought this up to my wife this concept, and she was like. I was like, which one would you pick? My wife goes, Stormtrooper. I was like, really? They're pretty uniform. It's not that exciting. You're pretty expendable. And she goes, that's a government job, baby.
2: Benefits.
1: (laughs) That's perfect. That's that's a woman you marry. That's perfect. That's the kind of
2: stuff in Henchman, right? There's even a talk talk about somebody who works for the Super Patriot, who's the good guy, right? And there is discussion that, like, the benefits for Super Patriot are better. They're just better. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like
1: you think about it. It's like if a stormtrooper gets injured, you'll probably get pretty good medical care. But if you're a rebel trooper, they got that one back to tank man. You're waiting in line, and Luke Skywalker
2: gets first dibs. Yeah, and they're constantly. By the way, the rebels are constantly moving their base. Yeah, no permanent home. Yeah. If you, if you have a, if you have like a Wall Street Journal subscription, you're gonna miss several days of delivery. Yeah. <laughs> Their forwarding mail is a mess. It's all over the galaxy. <laughs> By the way, again, another thing I always think about, which is, you know, when you remember Ken Burns' Civil War movie, it was 20 years ago. Yeah. I remember watching oh, yeah. it, I think in high school or whatever. Maybe not that old, but maybe college. Anyway. And there are all these narrations of letters home, and they were very eloquent, right? It was from an age where people learned how to write. Mm.
1: Yeah. Dearest Eliza, I write to you from the battlefield of
2: Antietam. <laughs> right. But then when we're talking about henchmen, I'm like, who is the motherfucker who like had to deliver that? And, and, and he's got his satchel and he's like, where am I going? You're going to go to Bull Run. I hear that's terrible. There was a terrible battle there. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. And they're getting ready to have a second one. So you better hurry. Like, so I just want to be clear. You're sending me there with mail and no gun. And I'm (laughs) like, what? Hang on. So I just feel like that to me is always the stuff I think about, which is what brings henchmen to life like that. See, that's great.
1: I love the in between the cracks. You're like, wait, we have all these letters. Somebody sent letters. They had to go pick them up and take them somewhere else and walk through these horrific right.
2: battlefields and be like, Ooh, my job's feeling pretty easy today. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Like another one, another couple that are like that in my head all the time is like the Pony Express. Okay. Whose idea was it to take teenagers? Who's going to be really good at the mail? Teenagers. They're going to be great. We're going to use them to deliver the mail. That's going to be awesome. Like that, which is also postal related, which I didn't mean for it to be. <laughs> and then um another one that I always think of is when James Bond gets out of the water in his scuba suit yeah. and unzips it and there's a tux. Right. Yeah, that's cool. And then when he walks on shore and then later like picks up a gun that's like been put underneath the bridge or whatever, I'm like, who was the bastard that had to right. get that on <laughs> there? And yeah. and how resentful is that person? That like they had to do the same thing. <laughs> they had to do one of the same danger, but they were told like, all right, and then leave and then don't get any credit. Yeah, no credit. <laughs> don't get caught. Yeah. Put the extra scuba tank here. Make sure the boats key, the keys are in the boat and then bail. Get out of there. And I thought I just got to be pissed all the time. You don't think he gets like a shout
0: out in like the interdepartment newsletter?
2: Yeah, I think. Right. Does. I think he does. <laughs> in the newsletter like, You know what? That makes the resentment worse. Yeah. Let's thank Richard Mulligan. Let's thank Richard Mulligan for uh making sure that James got to the casino on time. And I think Richard yeah. Mulligan reads that and goes, Yep. Yeah. And then he saved the world and he banged the girl. And I got cold <laughs> because I was in the water for twelve hours. He's like, I had so much
1: sand in my underwear from hiding on that beach for hours, waiting for the perfect time to just put that gun under the bridge. Yeah. And like James Bond, he's getting knighted for this shit. And he's like.
2: Thank you. It was all me. I know. And then I wonder, and I, I think I even at one point wanted to put a show together like this, because I wondered, like, okay, if the, what if there's a squad of people that have to do this stuff for him? And you've got like somebody who's related to somebody, and so that's why they have this job and they think they're gonna be working Nepotism. Their way up to an agent. Yeah. And then you've got somebody who was an agent who's being aged out and they're in this little group. And um and just, you know, the 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 terribleness of it all. Um also be hysterical too. Also, you know, another villain I would love to work for as a henchman would be Vandal Savage. Hmm. He's immortal. Interesting. You know who he is?
0: Yeah, from uh, DC.
2: Yeah, and he was like for a long time he was like Hawkman's like
0: Arts nemesis. He's definitely not like a top tier. No, but he's had his he's had his moment.
2: But he's immortal. And then I think at some point in one of the reboots or remakes of him, they made him because he's immortal. He's been around for so long. He was sort of like the last. Cro-Magnon man, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Before Homo sapiens, and that was part of his resentment. And so I'm like, I'm mm. smarter than a Cro-Magnon man. <laughs> I could own
0: that car. I could get. I could work my way way up. I there. feel like
2: that guy. You just have to kiss his ass and tell him he's a genius,
1: and you're good. And you're good. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. And like you'd get to hang around some pretty cool. He like he rides wolves and stuff in some yeah. of these pictures. Like you could hang out with some pretty cool animals. That's an interesting pick.
0: I, don't think I was not your wolf. I don't think you're wolf writing day one though. You know what I
2: Probably mean? Probably not. Probably no. not. But, but you, work your way you guys have worked for like showrunners and executive producers that like to make it all about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And, Absolutely. And, uh, not, not currently in case, yeah. in case she's <laughs> listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but I have in the past. Well, there's always something that we like to call in the writer's room host chat, which is in the morning, the showrunner comes in and, you know, talks about their day or what's bothering them. And it's a little host chat just to get us started. And, you know, the good showrunners make it a round table of like, what's, what's going on in your world, you know? But I right. feel like because Vandal Savage is immortal, I feel like his host chat would be pretty impressive. Like he'd be telling us stories firsthand about <laughs> like, you know, and then Catherine the Great and me and a horse. And we'd be having sex, <laughs> And like, I feel like we'd hear all these cool stories.
0: He'd be talking about his high school job as an as, uh, operator of, like the Pony Express,
2: right? Yeah. Like, I worked as a Pony Express operator, and why did they ever let teens do that? I was crazy, yeah. guys. And, uh, you know, even more like his teenage job would have been like, I was the kid who was supposed to boil the oil to pour onto the soldiers. In a coffee, yeah. And uh, sometimes we peed in it. It just made us feel better. You guys are complaining about free lunch.
1: I had to I had to <laughs> boil oil and figure out how to get a catapult yeah. to
2: throw yeah. boiling oil yeah. and over you, and you a, me of a joke that's in I forgot. You're reminding me of a joke that's in the first issue, which is there's a talk about like some accident that happens off panel, uh, or some first proposed mission involving putting hot lava in something. Yeah. And immediately our henchmen start the conversation is like now. How do you transport that? Is that, do you do it? Is that in metal barrels? And do you have to keep the lava hot? Like there's a lot that has to go into logistics of this. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And eventually they discard the idea.
1: I love that. Cause logistics is the hardest part when you're coming up with any plan, because you know there's so many moving parts and i can't imagine some of the most ridiculous plots like when you think of ridiculous bad guy plots that like doctor doom has tried to do or one that we i'd love to talk about cobra gi joe's cobra has had some mm. of the dumbest plots on the planet can you imagine being told hey we need to do this ridiculous clone bait and switch it's your job to get the clones and swap out the gi joes and you're like but w- wait, how, what am I, and like just <laughs> figuring that out and like it, like the, the expendability of a Cobra goon, a henchman for Cobra. And you're just like, oh, this is not going to go well. I'm going to lose like a quarter of my team. Easy. Just, just yeah. right out the gate. We're flying the most asinine vehicle.
2: It's obviously just to sell toys. And <laughs> Oh, that's also great when, it, when you see that. And the best of those, of course, I think from the '70s was the Spider-Mobile. Oh, the best. yes. Yeah. The, best. the Spider-Man needs a car. Yeah, sure. You, you're gonna want to get a because where where's your base of operations? New York City. Cool. And what are your powers? What are your powers? <laughs> are your powers? Well, my powers are that I can stick to walls. I can. I've got this web fluid. I can sort of swing around the canyon of buildings. And uh, but you need a car. You clearly need a car.
0: Where's your base of operation?
1: Yeah. Obviously, Spider-Man was somebody stuck in traffic, like like uh, Stanley's sitting in traffic in the middle of New York, cursing, cursing. He's like, if I could just swing from
2: this building, I'd be there. And he's like, Spider-Man, done. But then Boom. somebody from Hasbro says, we want to make a car. And see, to me, it's like, where's the panel of cutting to him in the car going like, why did I do this? Why did I make this? <laughs> He's screaming at. He's like, "This lane's going faster. Why can't I get? Let me in. Let me into yeah. this lane." You know the R and D on this car. I didn't spend it on web fluid. I'm out of web fluid. I have no
1: options
0: right now. <laughs> Just, I have four payments left on this car.
1: Yeah, and he's <laughs> listening on the radio, and the radio's like, "And the Fantastic Four saves the day." And he's like, "Damn it,
0: those jerks!" The Fantastic Four gave him the car, so maybe that was the whole point. Is they were trying to hamstring and slow him yeah. down.
1: Yeah, they didn't yeah. like
0: his publicity. That's right.
1: That's right. Oh, see, it it all comes together. One of the first
0: jobs I had in special effects, we were working on this like jaguar puppet claw that had to move. And it was like literally my first day. And the guy I was working with, who I didn't know at the time, but would very quickly figure out was a notoriously terrible communicator. He was like, I need you to do this. And he told me a on the sentence, like the sentence was very clear what he wanted me to do. But I didn't know where tools were in the shop, let alone what tools I needed to use. Right. So I asked him like three or four questions and he just stopped and he looked at me and he was like, if I tell you the answers to all that, I may as well just do it myself. So I had to like search the shop for all, And like, I understood what he was saying, but like, it's my literal first day. I don't even know where things are, let alone how to do this job. And I remember being like, I'm just going to do my best here and I'm confident in my abilities and I'll hope I'll make it work and I hope I come back tomorrow. Imagine if like fucking, I don't know, like who would be a good one? Like imagine if Magneto told you that or like the Red Skull. Can you imagine that? If they were like, (laughs) they looked you dead in the eye and were like, if I told you that, I would just do it myself. Get it done. Oh,
2: yeah. And you're like, yeah. I mean, to me, that's a uh, it's an old joke one I've told many times. But like to me, it's evocative of the you want to know what the worst job in rock and roll is in a band what's the worst job in rock and roll in a band, are you, you mean like like drummer a guitarist specific like i mean, band, like wh- who has the worst gig in rock and roll i don't know the drummer for the foo fight because <laughs> at any point in his workday, he can see this really that's what you're gonna do <laughs> all right like you're working for maybe the best rock and roll drummer ever <laughs> But he's in front of the band. But at any moment, you're going to see that.
0: Seriously? So for our listeners. He, he, Peter turned around, showed us his back.
1: Because <laughs> 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 Dave Grohl, for our, any of our listeners who don't know, Dave Grohl was the drummer for Nirvana. And he's one of the greatest drummers of all time. And he's now the front man of the Foo Fighters. And he would look back and give you shit. Yeah, you don't want to be no. that guy. I always, I always joked you never wanted to be the son of a rock star. Like Jacob Dylan. You know, he had that band and he, yeah, had, he had a great Flowers. album. But The Wallflowers, can you imagine if you're pl- practicing with your friends and you're in high school and you're practicing with your friends in the band and Tom Petty keeps coming and being like, that sucks. Here, let me, let me show you. And you're like, Dad, Tom's, Tom won't leave us alone. Oh, yeah. And then your dad comes in. The year his album came out, Bob Dylan won an Oscar, an Emmy, and a Grammy for the album that he put out. And he's like, what'd you do? Cute. <laughs>
2: right, right, well, I remember going, I remember getting Rook into buying tickets to go to dodger stadium to see the reunion of the police my disgust and hatred of sting knows no (laughs) No (laughs) bounds. the fact that he quit that band by fax and then you know just destroyed basically one of the greatest sort of new wave punk bands of all time and then fooled me into getting to the reunion where i really they should have said on the tickets Would you like to go see jazz arranged versions of songs you love (laughs) from an egomaniac? And I would have gone, no, I don't want to do that. But instead it was Bill Bill as the police point being I'm there. I'm watching. I'm I'm told the food fighters all back to the food fighters opens for the police being old enough to know that you don't need to see um, everything. I get there after the crush of people and I come in and there's the worst music. I've ever heard. I know it's not the Foo Fighters, and I'm like walking to my seat, and I'm like, "What is this? This is some weird pop-like drivel." And um, I'm far enough away I can't see it. And then it's over, and then I ask someone, "What's that?" And they go, "Oh, that stings, Kids Band." And I'm like, "Oh, oh. yeah, no,
0: that's
2: <laughs> perfect. I'm sure. Yeah, he's not dominating all the decision making on this tour at all. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm going to be in store for a great, great show." And then the <laughs> Foo Fighters came out and destroyed. And then that made it even worse when the police showed
1: up. Oh, man. But yeah. That's something we don't see a lot of in comic books. I mean, you see a lot of superheroes, their kids, villains, their kids. But like the nepotism, the, the handoff nepotism that we see in, say, Hollywood or business, when it's just like, mm. you know, Doctor Doom's like, hey, um, I'm going to F off for a little while. My kid, doom junior. Yeah. gonna Take over. Cool. Now, like
2: you never see that. Yeah. Now there's one, and this goes all the way back to all-star comics, which I bet neither of you read because I'm older than you, but, <laughs> um, there was a world war II justice society villain called brainwave. Okay. And then in the reboot or but not reboot, the continuation of that series that started with issue 58 and went through to like 72 before it got canceled. Um, there was a brainwave junior who was like brainwave and partner. he was
0: the descendant of brainwave
2: <laughs> and uh and he ended up being uh, actually turned out to be a good guy but he was like working in dad's shadow and like i remember that the the writers of that book were pretty cool about legacy and like i said like earth 2 superman was old he had gray hair bat robin was a grown-up and stuff like that so there was a brainwave junior And that's kind of the only time I can think of, like a villain bequeathing to his son or daughter. Like,
0: I think Barons. I think there's a couple Baron Zemos. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right.
1: There's definitely legacy. Trying to think who else. There's got to be more, but but there's that 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 fine line between legacy and just like, oh, here my trust fund villain kid, here you go. Here, here's here's the industry, the keys to everything. And it's like you you very rarely see that incompetence nepotism. It's usually a legacy, like. My dad was Doctor Doom so I'm going to take the mantle and do just as good right. and it's a plot point but like there's so many times you'll meet somebody and you're like how did they get the job and they're like oh it's the this guy's it's the boss's cousin and you're like sure. oh and then you're just disappointed cuz you know they'll never get fired
2: <laughs> That's right that's right that's
1: right <laughs> It's a fine
0: line though because I feel like if you're if you're the kid of of a supervillain right Yeah If he's the greatest if he's like baller supervillain those are big shoes to fill and you might you might have reservations just based on the job, let alone the fact that it's a nefarious job.
2: Right. Well, if he's yeah. a low level... And right? isn't the fun story to tell, I guess in the Raphael tone or my tone or the things I like, I think, Aaron, you said it like in the cracks, or maybe it was Matt. It's like, you, the way you're talking, Matt, I'm immediately thinking somebody going to um, say the Joker mm-hmm. and saying like, hey... I kind of want to go to art school <laughs> yeah. you know like it's the idea of, of dr doom building this empire he has a whole country to his own self latvia like i'm gonna crown you now you're the crown you know princess you're gonna take over and she's like i kind of want to sing
0: like she makes it a democracy <laughs> you know? and then walks away
2: <laughs> okay. i'm gonna be an influencer dad yeah i kind of <laughs> want to make small movies and <laughs> you know, do cool little videos.
0: It's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I just want to help people.
2: Yeah. Uh, he's like, no daughter of mine will be helping people. Get out of my
0: house. Which, I have which, no daughter. Which
2: I don't think it ever aired, but my friend Ken Campbell, an actor, he was in a pilot years and years ago that was about a superhero dad and mom. It was a multi-camera comedy, I think. Hmm. And Kenny's a actor I know from Chicago, Second City guy. And I thought the pilot was hilarious because he was the son of these people who were powered and he got a power, which was the ability to hover like a foot and a half off the ground. And that was it. (laughs) So it was sort of a disappointment. And, and yet he decided that he didn't want to be in the business and he wanted to go to law school. And I think that it was a funny, I remember the cold opening being like, you know, the quintessential family setup of with like, what the world needs is another lawyer. Or no. And then realizing <laughs> that the backdrop is this superhero family and the crushing disappointment that their son wants to be a lawyer. Because they, I think there was even more fun in the fact that they're like, you're going to join the institution that sues us when we destroy something in a battle. Like you are clearly going over to the other side.
1: <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> It's amazing and it's funny because you can't get anything done without people willing to do it without labor. Like that's that's how you get move mountains. And especially with evil villains you need cheap labor, yeah. <laughs> if not free labor. And it's like the henchman is such an interesting character because it's just somebody with no moral compass of their own and they look to somebody bigger to tell them what to do. And you know, nobody wants to be that, but it's a funny thing that it's an inevitable character trope that's in all Comic books, anything oh, yeah. that has a supervillain, you need a
2: henchman to carry it out. And once you agree, once you agree on that concept, I mean, and and I want to say that there is a sort of antecedent. Once you agree on that concept, that you could say that, like the workers that built the pharaoh's pyramids were the first henchmen. You know, like people are like, yeah. got to build this thing. We're gonna have to have these secret tunnels. And and I guess I think about them as henchmen. I mean, they were possibly slaves, but I'm told in what I read in the history books, like some of them were skilled craftsmen, et cetera, but paid in salt. Really? Yeah. That's hmm. why,
1: that's why worth your salt. Worth your salt. Worth, worth your weight in salt. Love yeah. It. Worth Love your it. salt is because they
2: used to pay you in salt. Love it. And, and so, but when I think about henchmen, because of the expendability, what I think about is like not all of the pharaohs, but I'm told that some of the pharaohs, at the end of the construction we're like okay now they're the only people that know the passageways so we kind of have to put you in the tomb <laughs> and you have to die so no one knows where i'm at so sorry guys and again looking for the comic the dark the fun story it's like do you as we work for fox sometimes or we work for amazon sometimes i have a pilot with amazon right now you you do a lot of rationalization right like if, if a bunch of people got holed up in a pyramid and killed, you you talk while you toil. And you're like, hey, our guy seems pretty nice. Yeah, he does seem <laughs> nice. I, he doesn't really seem like the kind of guy that would tune us up. And then, you know, and then you, you, you're all got the same sense of urgency. And so you're trying to will each other like, yeah, you know what? He actually remembered my name. He, he was coming down the thing and he saw me and he's like, Pete, good job. And I'm like, that's not a guy that's going to tune me up. He didn't whip right? me that hard today. I mean, <laughs> I, I think he's all right. He's
1: pulling his whips. Right? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And can you imagine, like, at what point do you tell them? Like, up front, are you like, hey, guys, it's going to be a really great honor to get walled up in the tomb alive with the Pharaoh, right? And you're like, yeah. And, like, somebody on your team is, like, gung-ho. They're like, I cannot wait to get walled right. up in this tomb. Right. And then somebody's like, wait, that's
0: what? The, that's the kiss-up you were talking about before, <laughs> yeah. Peter, the guy who's, like, went to Harvard with... Um, <laughs> that's right. He's like, yeah, man, wall me up. I'll, I'll, I'm for this I I want to be in the
1: middle of the tomb.
2: You know, I'm <laughs> Prince Keops. Do or die, baby. And I'm the guy who's
1: like, all right, but I'm just going to put in these uh, hieroglyphics just being like, this guy's a dick. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah that's right.
0: <laughs> now, if you don't get walled up in the tomb, and this is actually about two weeks ago, I had this conversation with somebody. And like the next day, uh, Aaron told me that he had been talking with, with you and David about this book and coming on the show. And I got excited to do this episode because I had henchmen on the brain. I've read a couple stories, DC stories lately with some comic, uh, comical henchmen. But w- when you're, when you're with the penguin, you're with the jokery, with the Riddler, whoever, and they get busted and you either serve your time and get, a, you know, come out or you get away. What, how do you transition into real life society? Like how do you get a job at the bank after <laughs> you robbed a bank? Dressed right. as like a frog, right. you know, and I was we were, <laughs> me and my buddy were like riffing on all that stuff of like how mundane and weird does your life seem when like your last boss was the Joker,
2: right? Absolutely, and that's a good character, you know. And there's a counterpart because I'm always looking, and I think it's because of the TV. Being a TV creator, and when you start to map out a pilot, at least if you're good at it, you're always thinking, I want my collection of characters to have distinct points of view right because i want to get into stories Mm -hmm. where i don't need two of the same i need everyone right right. and that's kind of why sometimes even best friends in television they don't operate quite like best friends in real life because you need them to sort of be in conflict right so Mm -hmm, i love that character you just described just as much as i love the person who is like relieved like you know one of those stories that is, I think, in the first issue, it might be in the second issue, is the guy who retires. He's, <laughs> he's, kind, of out, retires. he's kind of out of the book. like he's just the linchpin for why Rafa wants to move up, but he does espouse sort of the opposite point of view, which is like, I'm going to be so happy to get in an airstream and take the wife and like see the country. Yeah. And man. then we do um, some cut twos that, you know, are him at a truck stop. With his kids, you know, hanging on his leg, wanting more jerky and like snacks that are going to spoil their dinner. And you can start to see that like what he thirsted for, the mundane is maybe not sure. what he loved, what he wants. So I think you could go crazy if you get a job at a coffee shop and like, you know, because first of all, coffee shops are going out of business because people do that at home now. The standing around inside the, uh, the Kinko's FedEx facility for hours on end could, could kill you.
0: I remember I worked at a shop that was kind of not slave driving, but they didn't give a shit. And then later I worked in a shop that like on my birthday, they got me cupcakes and like the staff came out and was like, hey, happy birthday, man. Let's have cupcakes for a minute. And I remember being like, what's the score here? What's what's going on? Like I was suspicious almost. And I just love the idea of like some schlub in an office. Yeah who like was waiting for the other shoe to drop in that situation. Cause he used to work for the calendar man. Right. And he's like, no, there's gotta be some sort of weird shit right. going on. They're like, no man, we didn't know. Did you like chocolate or vanilla? We went with a mix. And, <laughs> like, uh. and see, and
2: I love that <laughs> scenario because I think too about the, um, and I say this all the time at work, whenever it's somebody's birthday and we get a cake or whatever, uh, it was like to end the happy birthday. with was like, wow guys, best office birthday party ever. Let's all sadly eat our slice of cake and, <laughs> and so like to see somebody waiting for the shoe to drop and then the excitement they would have of like oh my god right. you guys you remember my birthday and you know this is like so incredible and then they have the me version go like do not fucking get so enthusiastic about this everyone gets a cake there's enough of us here that there's a cake every other week Right? <laughs> fucking chill cowboy like that to me is very interesting
1: <laughs> Can you imagine if you were like a Spectre henchman and, you know, James Bond has just shot your boss off the top of the Eiffel Tower and you get the news and you're like, so are we out of a job or yeah. like all, all 300 of us are out of a job now? Are we
0: coming in on Monday or is it a three day weekend situation?
2: Well, do we finish the day? Like, isn't that the best when you get a show canceled? <laughs> like, do we, yeah. finish? <laughs> do we finish the day? Should we shoot the rest of the pages? <laughs> can, can I just take my monitor home? I'm just going to yes. take this, okay? I don't think I'm getting paid. I remember, I remember working on a show on NBC, and it wasn't my show. I was just a, a hired gun. And uh, I, I was writing my second episode of The Twelve, right? Wrote one of the first ones and got back in the rotation was writing the second one. And uh, my boss came into my office and said that we had just been canceled right and he's like yeah. um do you want to come down on the stage with me to tell everybody and i was like no do i <laughs> it's not my show yeah. he's like oh i just thought for moral support i was like no i'm good i'm good you got this you got this <laughs> and, and i i pulled my stuff together and he goes did you you had a box? And I go, yeah, but I wasn't, it's not about you. Like, I'm on a new show. My assumption is disaster's gonna happen. And uh I'm it's I'm ready. It's go time for me at all times. I'm ready. And so I was out of <laughs> there in like 10 minutes. Have a box? 10 minutes I was out. <laughs> and uh he wow. I, he laughed his ass off at least, but I was like, Yeah, no, do I want to go with you? No. <laughs> you're the you're the fancy guy in an overall deal making millions. You should go do this. You got this.
1: I was a PA on a show that got canceled and my boss at the time, the, 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 the executive producer was like, Aaron, I'm handing you a crowbar. You need to go stand down by the work trucks and put this lock on here. And if anybody tries to come, you call me, and so I didn't know what to do. So I'm just standing by this lock gate full of You're work a henchman, trucks. You're you idiot. You're a henchman. <laughs> with a crowbar. And it's dark. There's no lights. And every car that started coming up the driveway, I'm like, please, please don't be somebody I have to. like, I'm not going to hit anybody. But like, please don't be somebody I have to be like, no, you can't take your stuff or you can't steal this stuff. The paychecks are coming. There were like I didn't know what to do. Luckily nobody came and it was fine. But it was like what a nightmare! What a horrible thing to make somebody do. Ask somebody to you were a henchman. I was Did fresh they make out you of college. Really like a funny costume? No, I was I was fresh out of college. I had no I you know you didn't know what to do. You didn't know how to say no. They were to afraid people take you,
2: stuff from the rig truck or from the steel.
1: Yeah, steel yeah. rented equipment. They were afraid because because basically nobody knew if they were getting paid. So they're like, well, I'm just going to steal everything I can and sure. hold it hostage, which. I wouldn't blame them, but I didn't know what to fucking yeah. do. I'm just some
2: kid. I'm like, uh, with a crowbar. Here's a story of, um, larceny. I, I, I had a job. I had a crappy job in a, in a city that I won't tell you. And, uh, and I got a big gig. And so I didn't have to do this crappy job. And, and, uh, when I quit the boss said, I'm not giving you your last paycheck for two weeks. And I was like, what? And they said, yeah, because you were making uh, long distance calls back when people paid for long distance. On the 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 office phone for the last week. And I was like, not $800 worth. And they were like, yeah, sorry, no. And so (laughs) my friend and I, who were remaining with us, (laughs) went after hours, weeks later, broke in. And stood in this office and did things like this. Hey, what about that lamp? And then we would smash the lamp and then go, (laughs) that's like $75. Okay. (laughs) And then we kind of went through the office, just never taking anything, just destroying things till we by our own self professed fest We're right about, you know what? We're right about 650. And I did make those long distance calls. So- We'll call it even. <laughs> and I got out.
0: Was it, was it 650 the actual number that you guys verbalized and said, that's enough? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's my favorite part of the whole story. We like, <laughs> I think that's enough. That seems fair.
1: $650 in lamps. That's a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and in, in interest, it's funny because I, I think back on that and I think, like, it's so funny your moral lines because like, I didn't want to take anything because I was like, I don't want to steal anything. <laughs> But I do want <laughs> yeah. to cost you the amount of money you owe me. Sure. That seems fair.
0: I've had that that revenge fantasy, the, the exact same thing against the bank. I was like, can't do anything in the bank. I was like, I could break their plate glass window. That sounds like it would be $1,500. But then the grown-up in me and sure. also the fact that I married to a grown-up who sure. was pretty good at talking me out. Yeah,
2: I was that. not married, obviously, at the time. And God bless my friend. Because you know he had no stake in it other than just the sheer adventure. He's been waiting to smash some lamps.
0: I wish that somehow your friend got implicated. Was I hope? I wish your friend got implicated, and then the owner of that business then took revenge on your friend, like six hundred and fifty
2: dollars worth of revenge that's on your great. Friend's shit.
1: <laughs> Go to his house and smash his lamps. That'd
2: be great. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of an arch enemy. That's an arch enemy origin story. And
0: yeah, I was going to say, and then it spirals from there, and then you can start hiring your own henchmen. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah. If you found out that Dr. Doom hated Reed Richards for the real reason that in college he like stole his iron and like or his his lamp <laughs> or <good>. like, <laughs> you know, locked him out of the room one night and that was, that was it. Good. It's just like you locked me out of the room. You didn't leave a sock on the door. I had to sleep on the couch in the R.A. room. Like, screw you, man. And it just snowballed
2: from. That's great.
0: <laughs> well, I'm thinking like you got the the ex-henchman who's now applying for the job at the bank. And he, they're like, okay, great. You know, Peter, you're hired. And you're like, oh, that's good. Okay. What's the pay? What's my, what's my uh, weekly schedule going to be like? What's the wardrobe requirements? And they're like, oh, you know, khakis and a button down is usually fine on Fridays. You don't have to wear a button down. And you're like, okay. And the mask. And they're like, uh, what do you mean the mask? And he's like, oh, I used to work for Two-Face and we had like a red side and a black side. So like, what's the, <laughs> is it you know, it's a bank. So we, is it a picture of the bank or is it like a, a bank <laughs> helmet or is it like a money yeah. sign? They're like, no, you don't have. You just like you know, like a person. You just come in like human, like oh, that's okay. I'm I'm used to I wearing a little that. bit more. Ghetto. I can
2: try that if you want. <laughs> I
0: mean, you sure you don't want me to wear like a dollar bill maybe across my eyes? <laughs> well, what
2: I can pencil it. Yeah, or? what about glasses with like the dollar signs <laughs> like that? I could do that.
0: Just imagine how that would be. Like when I transitioned into a job, I had to wear a button down. It was like a big fucking deal. Like I couldn't. It took me a couple of weeks to like get comfortable with that i feel like the same thing like the, there's a batman villain who wears like a a pig mask like sure. what do those guys do on their next jobs? you're just like i don't have to wear any mask don't you think let you alone think a one? degrading I speaking one speaking
2: of the pig mask don't you think it's like again the origin not the origin the evolution like ah the pig mask guy shows up pig mask <laughs> and then see the string we get that it's mask, right but then you know I don't know if it's the 90s that we want to subscribe that to, ascribe that to, or the 2000s, but some writer artist comes along and goes, you know what I'm going to do to up the stakes? It's a real fucking big thing. <laughs> yeah, and, then, yeah. and then you go, okay, but that doesn't work physically. <laughs> right? And like the props that you guys work in, like I'm sure you've been asked different things, but I'm always the guy thinking about what's the real of this? And I'm like, I don't know if you could wear a pig real. Right. <laughs> How would that for work? very long? Anyway, the flies are <laughs> suffocating. Yeah, right. that means that on
0: his crew, he's got a guy who just secures pig faces because there's going to be a
2: turnover. <laughs> right? Incredible turnover. And, and then, <laughs> and then, like in the recent Detective Comics, there's um, another Two Face story, and like his henchmen have had like coins embedded in their forehead, and you're like, no, nope, I wouldn't do it. I'd be, I'm good.
0: <laughs> that's, that's a corporate loyalty right there. Right? When you're yeah. like embed change in my face. Okay. I mean, I'm going to be with this job for a while, yeah. I guess.
2: That's right. You want to go like, Hey, is it like, it's like a piercing, right? I can take it out. It'll go away. Like, no. <laughs> like, yeah. How do you work for another gang? Is after it a surgery that, right? or is it a procedure? Like I need to know the difference. Just glue, just a little bit, of hot glue, just it. <laughs>
0: So, I guess as we as we wrap it up, let's say we're all supervillains. We've worked our way up through the henchman ranks. All right. We all are our own supervillains. What is your henchman's deal? What is their gimmick? What 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 are, what are they wearing? What are they doing
2: for you? Okay. Um so I'm a villain now. I've worked my way up. I'm the guy in charge. Mhm. Yep. Okay. Congratulations. <laughs> um I don't know what my gimmick my my gimmick is, but I'll tell you I've always threatened a writing staff when I'm the showrunner. Uh, Cause I primarily do comedy, although I'm branching out, I have an hour that's with Blumhouse right now. And I've got a movie I'm doing with DreamWorks. So I'm branching out a little bit, but mostly comedy. And as you've probably been on comedy sets, like when a joke doesn't work, the writers kind of huddle, right? To fix the joke mm-hmm. that doesn't work after it's taken the scene. And to me, that always looks like a pit crew at NASCAR. So okay. I've always told my riders, I'd love it if we would all wear coveralls like mechanics' coveralls, <laughs> and with our names on the back, because when we huddle, it would look really cool. And no one else, really cool, and no one else wants to do it. So if I was in charge, friendly, I would have gas station coveralls with everyone's name on the back, and they'd have like a rag under the in the pocket coming out of the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and that way they'd be ready to go and they could conceal whatever they need. And you just need that Love tool it. that goes foof, foof. Yeah. <laughs> it's your gun. They all have
1: air. A yeah.
0: Pneumatic, yeah be a pneumatic pen or yeah. something to change the
1: script. Yeah. Okay. I'm on board. What do you think rooms? So it's interesting. I, I, it's a good question. I think because right now I'm, I'm rocking some pretty good facial hair. I got a nice, nice mustache and a really long COVID beard. I think that my henchmen, would have to wear either like their own like style matching mine if I was an evil villain, or like a prosthetic, like a fake one, and that like everybody had the same facial facial hair, but they'd be really pissed every time I changed it. Like I put like stripes in and like damn it, now they have to shave their face. Like everybody would just have matching facial <laughs> hair, even even the women. Like everybody would just have this like beard beard with like little hooks that they put over their ears, so that they all had the same facial hair as me, and like the the d- dick bastardly mustache that they could twirl. Is that part of your gimmick though? Are you like the conquistador or something? Yeah, like, that's is it. it that's is your it. your thing about it's that? Yeah, I it, own it. It would be yeah. <laughs> it would, all the power, it. all the power would come from my
2: beard and mustache. That would be the the. Well, you're you're making me laugh because um one of my favorite wizard episodes that that was during my tenure. Was this battle for the school? There was a wizard school called WizTech that was me making fun of um, Hogwarts. Yeah. And there was a Professor Crumbs who was the 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 sort of headmaster of the school. He, of course, had a crazy long beard. But during this arc, I can't remember if it was David Henry, the brother, or some other character, like defeats him. No, it was like another character that was friends of David Henry. And he turned out to be evil and he was going to defeat the headmaster and take over. And because you have now spent time with me and you know, my sense of humor, right to what Aaron said at the high point of drama where he's like, whiz tech is mine forever. Then the guy goes, you're right. And I guess along with victory, go the spoils. And he takes off his clearly costumed beard that we've been watching him have for a year and just hands it to the bad guy who puts it on and you know make sure it's a fix and now there's a 14 year old with a crazy long beard who's in charge and that I, that tickled me to no end that revealed like that beard's been faked the whole time in fact it's what you wear when you're in charge
0: that's awesome what a great visual of that
1: matt what about you what's your supervillain? uh what's your gimmick what well, you got going on peter we just
0: met but Rumi, you know I have a a decent sized ego and I'm pretty self-confident, even if I don't necessarily deserve it. (laughs) And I think (laughs) part of the supervillain thing is that egotism. And I think I would just lean right the fuck into that. So I'm thinking that everyone's got to have like one of those clown wigs. That's really like a clown forehead and wig with my poofy ass red hair. So like, boom, you're just doing that right away. (laughs) And you're just the Matt. I don't know what we'd be called the Matt gang or the ginger. I would
2: say, I know it's not egotistical, but when you said poofy red hair, clown wig, like you're Matt. And everyone else True. is your Conan. They're all Conans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'm on board with that. Um, oh my I, God. Once challenged, I once challenged Conan to uh, a ninja fight and he declined. face to face.
2: Of course he did. He's chicken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I know. I said, because I, I was on a TV show once and I was dubbed the ginger. I dubbed myself, but then everyone else the, the ginger ninja. And then some idiot online wrote me and was like, Conan calls himself the ginger ninja. And I wrote him back and I was like, when did he call him that? And he told me when. And I was like, well, that was after I was on TV and did that. So I thought I was the real, but then I was like, wait, I want to go on Conan's Conan show and fight him. So I, I actually (laughs) ran into him at Warner Brothers once. And I never do this kind of shit because like, he's a person that has a life, but my wife and step, uh, no, her stepmom, my stepmother-in-law were with me and they were like, when are you ever going to get a better chance? I had set up a Twitter account specifically to try to talk to him because I don't know about Twitter. That was the only reason I set up Twitter and I had never done it. So she, my wife was like, go talk to him. So I went up and I like introduced myself and I'm like, I'm sorry to bother you, but I heard that you call yourself the ginger ninja. I'm the real ginger ninja. He's like, okay. And I was like, I was like, do you want to have, and it was so awesome. He was walking with someone who was clearly his friend and he in- awkwardly introduced me to his friend. He's like, this is John, my best friend. And I was like, Hey John. I was like, oh, you know, ginger ninja. And he was like, Oh, I was like, Well, I have the title and you have it. I want to know if you want to have a ginger ninja off. He's like, No, you can have it. I was like, (laughs) And he said, A ginger ninja off sounds creepy. And I said, Not as creepy as a ginger ninja on. (laughs) And he like smirked and I was like, Clearly he I have interrupted him and his best friend. And I was like, All right, well have a great day. It was nice talking with you, and that was it. But I was like and I felt like a tool because I never do shit like that. But
2: I don't feel like a tool. I love it. (laughs) Oh, I loved it
0: too. I'm so glad I did it. But like that's probably the third stupid thing my wife has ever looked at me and been like yeah do it
1: go do something stupid i'd love yeah, it she
0: never said that our wedding night was the first one that was the second one <laughs>
2: do you have um do you have time for one more story or no yeah. yeah 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 oh yeah okay so i'm trying to decide now because it's either about something my son did that was incredibly stupid or it's his Conan story that ever let's do Conan. all right so i've heard this story and i've heard it um, I'm going to say the person who told me the story spoke to Cohn. Okay. So, again, the veracity of the story, we don't know. It could be Hollywood legend. But when he was sure. in L.A. and he was doing The Tonight Show, I had my friend who, who, who I don't know if he worked for him or if he was friends with him, but said that he was quite amazed at how, even though he'd been in show business and wrote on The Simpsons, but when he'd come back as The Tonight Show host to Los Angeles, that he was amazed at how everyone in Hollywood was sort of a stakeholder in The Tonight Show. Like everywhere he went, people were like, hey, how are the ratings? What's going on with the ratings? And even at like parties and stuff. And that he was at a party where Spielberg was there. And that Spielberg was like, how are the ratings? What's going on with the ratings? And, um, and, and he was kind of had enough of it because obviously the ratings weren't. And so he tried to segue into house buying, like you would do about anyone who's relocated. And he's like, you know, I'm looking to buy a house, and and um, and Spielberg said, oh, I live in such and such canyon, and Conan thought to himself, God, I've never heard of that canyon, and then he thought, well, right, because it's Spielberg, probably he owns the canyon, like it's not
1: <laughs> <laughs> people
2: talk about, like, oh, I'm just going to go up to such and such canyon, and so so he said, oh, do you, so do you do you have a house there? He goes, yeah, it's where I my house and he said oh that's cool i've never heard of it he goes yeah we raise horses there and then conan said oh wow do you love horses and he says that spielberg got a real sad look on his face and said no i do not love horses <laughs> and in that moment he thought oh my gosh no matter how much money you ever as- assemble if the spouse loves something then you're doing it and that's it. And so when I heard that story, all I thought of is the terrible drive home from the universal lot where he's driving past Corral, (laughs) galloping like Arabian, beautiful Arabian horses. And it smells like horse shit. And he's like, I can't believe it. I cannot believe it.
1: (laughs) This is
0: where my life ended up.
2: The
1: arguments (laughs) that must come through his wife and Steven Spielberg. And he's like, did you buy another horse?
2: You bought another horse, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> years after that. Or not years after that. Not too long after that. I happened to be in a Starbucks where Steve Spielberg was there. He was there with his daughter. She rides horses too. She's a horse. She jumps horses. Yeah. And, uh, but she was a little kid and okay. I was wearing my wizard softball jersey. Um, we had just had a game and she was talking at her dad and I saw him. And it was funny because I thought when I saw him, I was like, that looks like Spielberg, but older. And then I went, oh, but right, you only really see pictures of him that are sort of file photos. Like, it is him. He is older. Yeah. Um, and so this girl was tugging on his shirt, and she was pointing at me because in Wizards, we used to take the writers' names, and we used to make spells out of the writers' names. And so my name was on the back of Jersey, and she's like, do you work on Wizards? And I was like, oh, that's my shirt. And she said, oh, my God. And then he said, which is an amazing thing. He goes, that is a really good show. That is a really good kid show. How cool. And I said, oh, thank you. And I goes, nobody, I, we're both pretending that I don't know who he is, right? Right, right. And I go, thank you. Thank you. And he goes, what's some of the worst notes or the hard, no, not worst. He goes, what are the hardest notes that you get working on a kid show? And I said, well, there's a lot that they want me to simplify. And I'm trying to write to the top of my intelligence because I think kids are smart. yeah. And then he goes, don't do those notes. And then they ordered. And I thought, right, no, of course, that's your philosophy because you get to do that. I don't get to come in and go, I'm not going to do those, but I do. No. And eventually I get fired for it.
0: <laughs> I was waiting for that story to end with. You looked out into the parking lot and there was a horse in one of this. Oh,
2: that would have been so great. <laughs> yeah, we have to take the horse to coffee. We have to. We have to.
0: And he just like, <sighs> This is where I've ended up. This is my life yeah. now.
1: I, I saw Steven Spielberg's daughter jump horses at the Jean Masters horse competition. Wow. My wife wanted to go. This is not a choice that I made. This was a wife's interested. You go. Yeah. You, and and it, it was Steven Spielberg locked
0: eyes and like knowingly nodded at each other.
1: But I could <laughs> see him in the fancy seats. Obviously, yeah. I was in the plebe seats. He's in the fancy seats. And I'm like, Steven. Stephanie Spielberg waving at him. He did not see me or acknowledge. Because he's
2: him. locked in. He's locked in like yeah. you're locked in when you have to go to your kids like recital where you're like, I have to lock in on this. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, so Peter, yeah.
1: Give us a give us the, the info. Where can people find henchman's Kickstarter?
2: Tell us the website. Sure. Give us some info. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, you can find me at Mighty Peter on Instagram and Mighty Peter on Twitter. Links to the Kickstarter are in that bio. You can just go look for Rafael Garcia Henchman and it'll show up. Yeah, we can
1: put a link up on our on our Instagram and our Facebook. Oh my I'm god, throw that'd be a link so up Great. For
2: you. It's just it's not one of those addresses I can just tell you.
1: Sure. How's the How's the Kickstarter going so far? I know
2: you guys hit some goals. We funded in the first twelve hours. Boom! That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Now for me, because Keanu Reeves had a comic book come out the week before, and he funded at three hundred thousand. So unless I get to three hundred thousand, I feel like a failure. <laughs> in spite of that, we funded in the first 12 hours. And then we've hit like two of the, or three stretch goals. We've got a new uh, Jules Rivera um, cover that got unlocked. And she's a super badass artist. And all our artists, or most of our artists, are all Latin artists, you know, wanting to be down for the cause. And we also yep. got 11 extra pages of art and story in the first issue. So it's going to be a 39-page issue. We still need to drive hard though in the last few weeks because I really want to get to, and it's a big number, but I really want to get to that trade paperback, which I think is around 30, but we're like a third of the way there. And um, if we can get people doing it. And and also, I guess if there's one other thing to plug, it's that I think for 250 bucks on the tier, um, I will go ahead, you'll get all the stuff. And then in addition to that, I will make and have an awkward conversation that you do not want to have. <laughs> I will call someone and quit your job for you. I will tell your spouse that things aren't working out. I'll tell your kid that they can't go to art school, or I'll tell a parent <laughs> that, you know what? They're not even going to college, buddy. I'll do it. <laughs> 450 bucks. Um, somebody's already taken me up on it. We have five available and one's already gone. So wow. I'm down for the plan.
0: Do you know what that conversation is going to be yet? Or they not tell not
2: yet.
1: That's incredible. What, what a perk. That is insane, man. Um, and I think we need to say it. I don't think I mentioned at the top, this is a bilingual comic book. You can get yes. it in Spanish and in English. When it comes out, it will be available. So however you want to read this thing, it's going to be there for you. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. It's an incredible um, deal um, that
2: Starburn's brought that yeah. forward. And you know what? That They're really been a great publisher. I mean, we were thinking we were going at alone and then, you know, um, I am on a board of a charity with um, the person who heads up Starburns press and we're just talking about stuff. And I mentioned the book and they were like, we, we want to do that. So they cool. had the idea of bilingual and God bless them. They were right. Cause that's perfect for us.
1: And that's, that's really awesome. Cause you do so much for Latinos in show business. And that's such a great thing to get a comic book yeah. to be on board. with. I that. have a and-
2: very, very tiny house, not in an estate to prove how much I've been doing.
0: <laughs> you don't have any cause, horses. Outside. I have no
2: horse property, and but I've some shows. We made some shows, and I'm very proud of them. But you know, it's a struggle, man. Representation is a struggle. Absolutely,
1: and uh, yeah. So go, go support this book. Go check it out. Uh, find it on Kickstarter. Get this book. It's going to be really fun. I can't wait to to read it. And Starburns Industries Press, of course. Um, Starburns Industries does Rick and Morty. And you will definitely know the the little button at the end of the
2: show. It's a good to show. Yeah, it's so show. it's a good to book. Please take me up on this $250 tier and get those slots filled. Because my, my big fear is that my agent or manager are going to buy that and then have me let myself go.
0: by yourself? <laughs> <laughs> See, I have a secret hope for that, that there, out there somewhere, there is a henchman. And he or she is going to have you break up with the supervillain. Like oh. you're going to have to call, you know, two face or, yeah. or electro yeah. and tell them that, you know, Johnny, the henchman is quitting. That's right. Oh, I would That'd love, be great. that would be a funny ass
1: bit. That'd be dude. <laughs> to do. I would do it. I, I love it. That's such a great idea. And Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. You want to come back another time? Talk more comic books? I would love
2: to. I would love to come back and talk about anything you want, man. This is
0: really fun. Yeah, this is fun as hell. This was really fun. Just so you guys know at home, I, the Rumi and Peter were actually talking when I came into our Zoom. And like after a quick introduction, like, they taught, were talking and I was like, oh, Rumi has a friend here as well. And I was like, they were just bullshitting. And then I saw his name was Peter. I introduced myself and then I realized that he was actually our guest and I was like, Oh, and then we just like immediately ran into it. So this is a really fun it's chat, man. Fun. I'm, I'm ready for us to uh to start our supervillain organization here. It.
1: So Rumi, I want to pose this to you. You've quit the supervillain gooning industry. You're, you're no longer a henchman. You've started your job at the bank. You're like, so I don't have to wear a costume? No mask? <laughs> okay, but uh, just tell me where the jetpacks are. And the boss turns to you at the bank and goes, if I have to tell you that, I might as well do it myself. <laughs>
0: Dude, if I was going to be a fucking henchman and I can't, first of all, I can't believe that we haven't said goon until now, but if I was going to be a henchman I would love to be on the same crew as you, Rumi. Oh god, that would be so, (laughs) we would get in trouble immediately probably but oh man.
1: Come on with me out to
2: Lairdman Island, I know where some sweet video games are. There's a lot of scenes in our comic book that start with the assembly of the henchmen and the middle manager who's in charge and just what you said about Rumi's getting in trouble, we're like the person to like, go. Okay, some mistakes were made, and the <laughs> visit, we're, we're moving forward. Right, we're not going to point fingers, no, but it's clear. And you see people that are bruised up and beaten amongst the people that are not <laughs> bruised and beaten. And you know immediately who the fuck up was. You're like, Come <laughs> up.
0: Oh, I can't wait to read this book. This is going to be good, guys. Check out their Kickstarter. Check out their social media. It's going to be fun. Peter, we'll definitely have you back. Awesome, man. I'd
1: love it. And follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod. And our website, LaunchpadPod.com. Thank you guys so much. Peter, we do a little uh, secret handshake. Normally, in person, this makes more sense, but we've been doing it over Zoom. It goes like this. We do a high five that comes in sideways. So you turn it sideways, turns into a rocket ship, and then blasts off with a raspberry. Okay. So that's going to be our secret handshake. And we're going to do it on the count of three. One, two, three. Whoops. (laughs) All right, guys, we've been the Rocketeers. This is the Launchpad Podcast, and we are out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.